The views in this do not necessarily reflect the views of WKNC, Student Media, or NCSU. You're listening to Eye on the Triangle on WKNC 88.1. Good afternoon, Raleigh, and welcome to this week's Eye on the Triangle. It's November 16th, and the time is 4.04 p.m. And on behalf of the team here at WKNC, I'd like to thank you for tuning in. I am Nick Weaver. And I'm Marissa Jordan. We've got a great show for you guys today. Jake Winters brings you Snowberrated. This week, he refused the film Hail Caesar. Nick brings you his modest mouth review. This week, he reviewed the album Hum by Erie Wanda. Will Mayo brings you Taste of the Triangle. This week he visits and reviews the faux-nominal noodle truck, which uh, I believe he told me uh, he talks about some of the other food trucks in the area too. So if you're interested in that sort of thing, stay tuned. And coming up next, Marissa has a look at the local news. She reports on petitioning to protect fisheries and NC. In the news, Fishing for Solution. Group petitions state to protect fisheries in North Carolina. Wilmington, NC. The North Carolina Marine Fisheries Commission now has 120 days to grant or deny a formal petition by the North Carolina Wildlife Federation to designate all coastal waters as protected fish nursery areas. The NCWF filed the request on Wednesday, November 2nd. Comments from David Knight, a policy consultant, North Carolina Wildlife Federation. The North Carolina Wildlife Federation is asking the State Marine Fisheries Commission to designate all coastal waters as protected fish nurseries in a formal petition filed on Wednesday, November 2nd. Every year, millions of small fish and other marine life get caught up in the nets of fishing boats in North Carolina waters as companies trawl for shrimp. The unwanted waste, called bycatch, puts young marine life in jeopardy. David Knight with the Federation says offering a level of protection will allow juvenile fish to grow into adult life. By setting up these nursery areas and expanding them to all of the North Carolina waters, it will protect these juvenile fish and allow them to at least grow up to an age of spawning, which will allow them to reproduce and put more fish back into the system. Knight estimates for every pound of shrimp caught off the state's coast, four pounds of bycatch is collected. Currently, the state doesn't have a designated shrimp trawling season, and the petition asks the state to choose a time period when shrimp are large enough for harvest. Opponents of such regulation say it will have a harmful impact on the fishing industry. North Carolina is the only state on the East Coast to allow shrimp trawling in its sounds, fish nurseries, and estuaries. Knight says protecting fisheries must be done to prevent the depletion of coastal resources. 
we all have stories about not being able to catch the fish, the crabs, the oysters, and the shrimp that we used to be able to. The science backs up these stories. And this petition is based in science and science-driven. It's not just our opinion. The state now has 120 days to either grant or deny the petition and is expected to make a decision at its February meeting next year. If approved, the new rules would only impact industrial, large-scale shrimp trawlers. Hello, 88.1 WKNC. You are tuned in to Taste of the Triangle with your host, Will Mayo. Taste of the Triangle seeks to inform you of the food culture in Raleigh and the surrounding area. And for this episode, I'll be covering the phenomenal dumpling truck. Before I get into details about this truck specifically, I would like to take a moment to inform you of the food truck scene in Raleigh. There are dozens of food trucks in this area, with locations ranging from neighborhoods to breweries, even to NC State's Centennial Campus. You heard me correctly. If you have time between classes and happen to be on Centennial Campus, you don't have to eat the oval. You have a selection of restaurant-quality food trucks parked right outside the Venture Buildings. It's also worth noting that downtown Raleigh has a food truck rodeo periodically, during which several blocks of Fayetteville Street are shut down to host over 50 food trucks from around North Carolina. These events typically take place in the late spring to early fall, and the last event hosted food trucks featuring everything from stuffed baguettes to cupcakes. Similar events take place in Durham's Central Park. For more information about the food truck rodeos, you can visit downtownraleighfoodtruckrodeo.com. Enough about rodeos. Let's talk about dumplings. Founded by NC State alum Sunny Lin and her friend Sophia Wu, the phenomenal dumpling truck brings Eastern culture to American taste buds. The ultimate realization of this goal became apparent when the truck won the great food truck race on Food Network back in 2015. If you're unfamiliar with the show, it is a competition in which food trucks travel from city to city along Route 66, completing challenges along the way. In each city, a truck is eliminated, and the girls of the phenomenal dumpling truck made it all the way to the end, returning to the triangle victorious. After trying this food truck, it became clear to me why they won. Their unique fusion style is matched by few in today's society. Rather than delivering the typical Americanized Eastern food that you can get at many restaurants, the chefs of the phenomenal dumpling truck create dishes that reflect who they are, a winning combination of the best facets of their Eastern heritage and American upbringing. The absolute best example of such a dish is the Cheerwine Bagogi Sloppy Joe. This dish attracts a lot of attention. In fact, I wasn't even planning on eating at this food truck when I first stumbled across it, but when I saw that on the menu, I could not resist. The Cheerwine Bagogi Marinade makes for a delicious, sweet, and savory meat that pairs perfectly with the tanginess of the kimchi topping. Served over a pair of Hawaiian sweet rolls and topped with a house-made sriracha mayonnaise, this is one unforgettable sandwich. If you're in the mood for something a little less filling, why not try their banh mi corn dog? The classic dog is battered and fried, then split open to make room for the traditional banh mi pickled vegetables. If you're feeling adventurous, you could also try their bubble tea. This is sweet and spiced black tea with balls of tapioca. Personally, I'd rather just have a regular sweet tea, but you do you. 
The truck also features more traditional dishes such as pho, curry, and of course, delicious dumplings. This truck has been seen at Trophy Brewing Company on Maywood Avenue, the North Carolina Museum of Art, even Durham Academy. For a full list of their schedule, just go to their website at phenomenaldumplings.com. So the next time you're in the mood for some sweet and savory food, think about tracking down the Phenomenal Dumpling Truck. I think you'll be glad you did. Smiling faces, a bang for your buck, and a unique fusion style make the Phenomenal Dumpling Truck another tasty slice of the Triangle's culinary pie. Thank you so much for tuning in to Taste of the Triangle. If you enjoyed this show, or you have a suggestion about a restaurant that I should try, please feel free to email publicaffairs at wknc.org with the subject line, Taste of the Triangle. I look forward to hearing from you, WKNC. Stay hungry. Hello and welcome. I'm Nick Weaver of Eye on the Triangle, and you are listening to the Modest Mouth Review. Every now and then, when I decide what to review for the week, I have literally no idea what to choose. Either nothing I've been watching for has come out, or I'm just in a slump, but whatever the case, on those weeks, I'll grab something from the new releases pile here at WKNC. Today is one of those days, during one of those weeks, meaning the album I'll be reviewing today is Hum by Erie Wanda. Now, I went into this review with no preformed expectations for both parts A, because I couldn't really guess properly what exact subgenre of indie it was going to be based off the album cover and description, and B, because it's Eerie Wanda's debut album and I had nothing to go on previously. So right away, you know that you're either in for a pleasant surprise or a complete pile of garbage. Thankfully, Hum is a pleasant surprise, but I'll get into that in a second. First, we'll start with the question I always ask at the start of a review, which is, just who are Eerie Wanda? Well, for starters, it may be equally appropriate to phrase it as who is Irrywanda, as the band began as the music project of Croatian-slash-Dutch singer-songwriter Marina Tadic. Huh, that's actually a pretty familiar name. Let me just do some Google-foo here and... Aha! No, wait, never mind, there's nothing here. So I guess she's just got one of those names that stands out. At any rate, Tadic seems to be the primary driving force behind Irrywanda, providing songwriting talents, vocals, and guitar. She's backed by Jasper Verholst, Bram Verveet, and Nick Nijebruja on bass, guitar, and drums, respectively. That's about it, really. Outside of the lineup, I think it's interesting to note that, like many artists, Tadic started out by just recording demos in her bedroom and passing them around to her friends and family. Now, on to the album itself. As I said before, I actually liked it quite a bit. Irrywanda can be described as sort of a dream pop indie rock sort of sound. It's not a precise genre, but it gets the point across. Hum features clean, spacious guitar with long delay, subdued and cymbal-focused drums, and a bluesy but not depressing smooth bass line. 
Smooth is a really great overall term for the band's sound. It's peaceful but not boring, sweet but not saccharine, and logging but not moody. When I close my eyes and listen for a minute, I picture myself in a small coffee shop-like venue with a greenish-blue light cast vaguely over the stage. The house lights are all down, and the band really is just going at it. They're not wild or bouncing across the stage, but when I see them, I can tell that they really feel what they're playing, that the music is coming from somewhere deep down. It's calming and interesting at the same time. Thematically, the album varies just enough to keep you invested without venturing too far from what the core feeling should be. Hum utilizes the cultural background of Tadic well, allowing for Croatian and Dutch traditions to creep in places like vocal runs and percussion. There's a general Eastern European vibe that floats around throughout the album. It gives the album a nice touch of that foreign nature that we all crave in new music whilst mixing in traditional Western techniques. While the influences aren't obvious or jarring in any way, if you listen closely you'll be able to detect traces of it here and there, dotting the album like icing decorations on a cake. Another place where this shows is through Tadic's accent, which is as lovely as it is charming. I suppose what I'm trying to say is that the album has a level of depth in its blend of geographic origins with Western practices. Not every album can create such an interesting blend, and I appreciate Eerie Wanda's accomplishment in this regard. Outside of this, Hum isn't too wildly different from most indie dream pop. It has its own value and staying power, but I wouldn't say it's breaking any boundaries or reinventing the genre. It's simply a valuable addition to it, and I think that's fine in and of itself. Hum is a beautiful cloudy day, an upbeat adventure of a long, peaceful walk. And really, sometimes that's all you need in an album. I would recommend this one to fans of bands like Desarc, Best Coast, or Mozzie Star. For my final rating, I give Hum by Iriwanda a positive 4 on a scale of negative 2 to 7. I wasn't blown away, but I certainly was pulled in by the unique charm and character of the album. Once again, the name of the album is Hum by Iriwanda. That's all for today. I've been Nick, though I'm also known as Lens, Plesk, Meerkat, or just that dude who can't dress himself properly in public. I'm less fond of that last one. As always, you can send in a review request by tweeting at WKNC underscore EOT or by emailing publicaffairs at WKNC.org. Thanks again for listening in, and I'll speak to you all again next time. This is Jake Winters for Eye on the Triangle. This is Snow Verrated, and today I will be taking a look at the film Hail Caesar. 
Hail Caesar was released February 1st of this year and is the latest of the Coen Brother films. If you vaguely remember hearing about the Coen Brothers before, allow me to elaborate. These men are the same men that brought us Fargo, The Big Lebowski, O Brother Where Art Thou, and the list goes on. Between them, they have four Academy Awards, many of which they won together and some of which they have won separately. So going into Hail Caesar, it's a little bit hard not to have expectations. My feeling is that when you go into a movie, you should never have any expectations at all. You may have seen the trailer and you may have even read a little bit about the story, but before you have actually seen the movie, there's no real way to judge it. Nothing really comes close to actually seeing it. Going into my viewing of Hail Caesar, I wanted a Coen Brothers film. They have such an iconic style and it is so pleasing to watch. I really just wanted this to be another hit like all Coen Brothers fans did. Unfortunately, I can't say that this film was a hit. It failed to really impress me in most ways. Their style of filming was still there and the world that they had created was obviously made for their style of storytelling, but the story itself was just uninteresting. It didn't seem like it had any real direction and the side stories and characters had a minimal effect on the main plot in the film. This always makes the plot feel flimsy. There's just so much going on and you are constantly trying to figure out how it all relates. In many cases, that can be a good thing, such as a movie like The Big Lebowski. There are multiple side stories involving the main character, which ties them all together, and we just follow the life of Jeff Lebowski for a few days, and at the end, some major things happen that tell us the film is over. In Hail Caesar, we get a bunch of scenes with different characters, none of which really stand out as a main character, and a lot of side stories end up relating to the main story, but a lot of it really does not matter at all. By comparing two of the Coen Brothers movies together, it becomes much more apparent which of their movies is worse. It would be unfair though to only say bad things about this movie. There are some redeeming qualities, one of which is that the acting is very well done. And a trademark of the Coen Brothers that allows them to have such great acting is that they usually use all-star casts or at least some very well-known actors. Not every character is a huge actor, but the main characters are usually recognizable. The way in which the Coen brothers write their eccentric characters makes them need very talented actors. So it isn't exactly necessary for the Coen brothers to use famous actors, but many of them also happen to be great actors, whether many would like to admit that or not. Acting in Hail Caesar almost could not have been done better. It almost highlights how incongruous the story is when the actors play their parts to a T and the narrative just won't fit together. My favorite performance of the many performances in the movie was Channing Tatum's. I think it's fair to say that many people discount Channing Tatum as an actor. He seems like another pretty face of Hollywood with only that going for him. But in reality, he really does have talent. You get glimpses of it in movies like 21 Jump Street and Magic Mike where the plots are a little thinner and don't really allow the actors to do a lot of development with their characters. But in Hail Caesar with a plot that is almost too dense, there is not enough the actors can do to make their characters more eccentric and personal. Seeing Channing Tatum in a role I never would have pictured him in was one of the most enjoyable moments of Hail Caesar. Hail Caesar is watchable and really not that unpleasant to watch, but nothing ever really brings closure in the movie. There is a conclusion to the story, but it feels like such an open ending, and not to mention the other loose ends in the movie, it's almost like they realized after writing the film that they didn't like it anymore and weren't able to give it a satisfying ending. Or it could have been that they wrote different character stories and then in the end attempted to bring them together and failed. In any case, the movie definitely did not meet its potential. I had high hopes for the next Coen Brothers film and was let down. 
I'm going to give Hail Caesar a 2 out of 5. Everything about the movie was there beside the story. They had all the funding and staff to make a great movie, and in some ways they did, but something is definitely lacking in Hail Caesar. It's hard to say what is really missing in the plot overall, but whatever it was made the whole thing fall apart. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Eye on the Triangle and Snowverated. I'm Jake Winters, and I hope you enjoy the rest of our show and your evening. You're listening to Eye on the Triangle on WKNC-FM Raleigh. The time is 424, and I'm Marissa Jordan. And I'm Nick Weaver. It's time for What's in the News. I'm going to read off some titles from today's technician. Are you ready, Marissa? I am. Are you sure? I am sure. Okay. Today, top of the news on Technician's website, political science professors discuss 2016 election. The College of Humanities and Social Sciences and the School of Public and International Affairs came together on Tuesday to discuss the 2016 elections. The discussion took place in Caldwell Lounge from 6 to 7.30 p.m. and was led by NC State professors of political science Michael Cobb, Stephen Green, and Andrew Taylor. I actually had Stephen Green for political science. He was a great professor. Uh, underneath that, Raleigh's Union Station to open January 2018. The city of Raleigh is currently constructing a new transportation hub downtown, which will be completed and operational in January of 2018, according to the News and Observer, which is great because our old train station is terrible. I absolutely hate it. Uh, underneath that, Workshop teaches how to negotiate for better pay. That was on November 14th. Uh, the Women and, Women's and Gender Studies Department at NC State, in partnership with the American Association of University Women, AAUW, in parentheses, in case you couldn't guess that one, uh, held a Start Smart sem seminar Monday evening on negotiating for a better salary. Ashley Simmons Rudolph presented on problems students often face when obtaining their, uh, and I'm going to assume that says field degree, but it goes dot, dot, dot. So uh, I guess you'll just have to read the article to find out. Uh, yep, that's in news, and let's head over to features to see what's, what else is going on. Uh, top of features right now, Nubian Message strives to be a sentinel for the African-American community. The Nubian Message has worked to become the representative of the African-American community at NC State since 1992. Founded by Tony K. Williamson, the Nubian Message addresses interests, issues, and the heritage of African-American diaspora. I believe this is coming on the, uh, the heels of the news that last week one of their Nubian Message uh, paper holders on campus was vandalized with white supremacist messages. Uh, I do believe that this article is a follow-up to that, uh, celebrating the Nubian message for the publication that it is. Uh, underneath that uh, is my review of Floral Prints EP, Woo. You can check that in the technician. There will not be an air review of that. So if you want to hear about that EP, head on over there. And below that, Fall Dance Concert Unites Students Through Movement. Uh, cocaine Addiction, Sorrow and Loss, and Obsessive Compulsive Disorder are all themes that will be presented through compelling educational choreography at the dance program's annual fall dance concert happening Thursday and Friday. That sounds incredibly interesting, actually. I want to see what cocaine dance choreography yeah, is. Yeah, that would be... Dance is a great medium. I actually danced for four years, and I have never been a part of anything like that, so it sounds intriguing to me. No? Never danced while on cocaine? No, I cannot say that, nor have I uh, interpreted it with my movements, so... <laughs> All right, well, I'm going to hand it off to you for a community calendar. Uh, well, first, actually, we have this day in history... A ah. uh, quick little, we got two little facts for today. Uh, in 1532, Pizarro traps the Incan emperor Atahualpa. And in 2001, here's a little bit of, a little more happier note. The first Harry Potter film opens. Do, 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 do. 
So we have one really sad and one really happy one for you today. I don't know if you can call the first Harry Potter film happy, but uh, it made a lot of us happy. So Yes. Well, that's true. It's not happy for Harry. Um, so for Community Calendar, we have the Urban Ministries of Wake County will be hosting their 12th annual soup, or excuse me, Stone Soup Supper. Say that five times fast. It'll be happening today, Wednesday, November 16th, and it's at the McKimmon Center. All proceeds will go to helping feed the poor of Raleigh. All right, that about does it for this week's show. Thanks for joining us on this beautiful Wednesday afternoon, though a little bit chilly. Uh, as always, if you heard anything you liked, you hated, or anything that made you think, let us know at publicaffairs at wknc.org. And be sure to check out our blog at wknc-eot.tumblr.com. You can catch another episode of Eye on the Triangle next week right here on WKNC. Actually, scratch that. We don't have an episode next week. It's Thanksgiving break. Don't tune in unless you want to hear music. Our intro and outro music is Connie by L1011. I'd like to thank our contributors, uh, Will Mayo and Jake Winters. For Eye on the Triangle, I'm Marissa Jordan. And I'm Nick Weaver, wishing you all a great Wednesday afternoon.